Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the oil of Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. What a day in sports today. We've got Selection Sunday coming up tonight. We also have an obsessive Bears quarterback watch going on. And also, Allen Robinson has been franchise tagged. So much to get to. Talking about it all with you here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back with you for another week. It feels like 10 o'clock because this is your yearly reminder that the time change sucks. I did not like losing an hour of sleep last night, but if it, that's why it feels like 10 o'clock right now. But it is 11, because I'm on the air with you, and we have a lot to get to. As I said, Selection Sunday tonight, Selection Show starts at 5 o'clock, so we will find out where Illinois and Loyola are seated in the NCAA tournament. Loyola locked up a bid to March Madness last week with a victory over Drake at the Arch Madness Championship game. Second time Loyola's going dancing in four years. And Illinois has a chance to win the Big Ten tournament today. Illini face Ohio State at 2.30 this afternoon in Indianapolis for a shot at the Big Ten title. And they're looking to be a number one seed for the first time since 2005. So that's something to keep an eye on today in college basketball in the state of Illinois. And on the professional side of things, as I said, Allen Robinson got franchise tagged this week. Um... Pretty confident that was going to happen, but now there are reports coming out that he might not sign that tag and might hold out, which is something to absolutely keep track of. We have an obsessive Russell Wilson watch going on. Feels like every time something gets said about Russell Wilson, Bears Twitter and Bears Reddit go crazy trying to decipher the conspiracies, and it's really funny. I'll get into a couple of my favorite ones later on. Late last night, Darnell Mayberry at The Athletic reported that the Bulls are making a change to their starting lineup. What exactly is in store? More on that coming up in the first half hour. And remember a few weeks ago when the Cubs signed Jack Peterson after letting Kyle Schwerber go and everyone was up in arms because they liked Schwerber better? Wait until you hear Jack Peterson's stats in spring training so far. I take spring training stats with a grain of salt, but the numbers he's putting up, you have to take notice. So that's something we'll talk about maybe in the second half hour, but we've got to start with Allen Robinson. Tuesday was the franchise tag deadline, and that means it was just when the teams can apply the franchise tag to a player, which basically allows them to keep a player who's going into free agency for less money, basically. The players hate it, and I mean, I do too. It's not a great system. It is definitely favoring the team, and the players really don't like it, and Robbie Gold was on 670 the score this week with Parkinson Spiegel, and they were talking about it because Robbie Gold was in the locker room when Lance Briggs got tagged. And he said there's really no way to get rid of it, especially now the salary cap's going down, teams are going to want to save money and keep their guys. And this is an example of that, which I don't know why the salary cap's going down, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not a cap expert. But the Bears obviously had to keep their top offensive weapon. And that's what they did by applying the franchise tag. But in order for Robinson to officially come back, he has to sign the tag. 
And a report from Jeremy Fowler at ESPN Today indicates he's not going to do that anytime soon. The quote was, he has no plans, quote-unquote, to sign the tag, quote-unquote, in the immediate future. And if you follow Alan Robinson on Twitter, he's actually a great follow. He has been liking tweets and retweeting tweets about the franchise tag and how bogus it is. Like, that's the best way to put it. It is just bogus the way the system's set up because it is so team-friendly and not player-friendly. And I kept saying last year, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know, extend him. I would say that, I think, every week to extend Allen Robinson. And then when Nick Foles was quarterback, I was thoroughly convinced the Bears were trying to push A-Rob out of town because Foles wouldn't throw to him in the red zone. He'd throw to Jimmy Graham. He'd throw to Demetrius Harris. He wouldn't throw to Allen Robinson in the red zone. And to me, that seemed like they were running him out of town, which I thought was insanely stupid because, as I said, he's the best offensive weapon. I mean, yeah, they had – I mean, obviously your quarterback should be your best offensive player, but that wasn't the case for the Bears because they had Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles who, as you know, I'm a huge Nick Foles fan. Absolutely. No, not a Nick Foles fan at all. So with those two guys at quarterback, your best offensive player was your wide receiver, and it was Trubisky's top target. I mean, Mitch threw to A-Rob a lot, and I got an alert today from Bleach Report saying the Trubisky ship has sailed. Thank goodness. It's good for both sides. Maybe more on that in a second. But extend Allen Robinson is the big thing. Because you have him now on the franchise tag. You can work out an extension. Just extend him. I mean, the franchise tag keeps Allen Robinson on the Chicago Bears for $18 million. He wants minimum $20 million, which is the going rate for a top wide receiver in the NFL. And I think Allen Robinson has proven himself as a top wide receiver in the NFL with the way he bailed out Trubisky. And if you look at his stats, even when he was in Jacksonville, he's never had a quote-unquote good quarterback. And when I say good quarterback, I'm, I don't, I'm not meaning like an elite-level quarterback. I'm not talking Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking he has not had a good quarterback in that he's been with Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles. He has not been with good quarterbacks, and he's still putting up good numbers to the point where he deserves $20 million a year. Imagine if he had a quarterback who was really, really good and could make plays. You know what's funny? A quarterback who's really, really good and can make plays. Has anyone else been following the Russell Wilson stuff this week? I mean, I can't be the only one who is all in on these conspiracy theories with Russell Wilson. And I'm not to the point where he's tweeting out quotes from scripture and I'm circling like, okay, there's a C here. There's an H there. There's an I in this word to find how it creates Chicago in there. I'm not doing that. But when I see a private jet leaving Seattle for Chicago out of nowhere, I start to put on my tinfoil hat in a way. And especially when the sports books take down the futures bets for where Russell Wilson will play. Those are back up now, by the way. At least on DraftKings. I saw that on Twitter last night. DraftKings has the odds back up. But when the odds disappeared from the sports books and the Bears' Super Bowl futures were going up, meaning their odds were getting better that they'd win the Super Bowl, yeah, I start to ask questions. Because when you hear a name like Russell Wilson Interested in coming to Chicago. Given the quarterbacks of recent memory, Grossman, Cutler, Trubisky, Daniel, Foles. The fact that the best quarterback in Bears history is Sid Luckman says a lot, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I do have a point with this. You see it on all the graphics when they play primetime. You still see Sid Luckman. Sid Luckman played early. I'm talking like 19... When did Sid Luckman play? 1930s? It was a while ago. A long while ago. To the point where I don't think anybody has seen him play. 
That's how bad the Bears quarterback situation is. So the fact that Wilson is even talking about coming to Chicago, in my eyes, makes him already the second best quarterback in Bears history. Actually, let me back that let me backtrack a little bit. It makes him the third best quarterback in Bears history. If he does get traded to the Bears, he'll be the second best before he even takes a snap. Sid Luckman played 1939 to 1950. That's from my my stat my stat guy, also known as my dad, who just texted me. So point stands. If you've seen Sid Luckman play football, uh, first of all, <laughs> I'm impressed that you're still a Bears fan. And second of all, yeah, they can tell you just how good he was. But back to the Russell Wilson stuff. If you can bring in a guy like that, and I do have a clip here, an interesting report that I'll play for you in just a second. If you can bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, Allen Robinson will become one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL. I'm not saying he's not already, because there are people who say he is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. He's a great wide receiver in that he has bailed out his quarterbacks. He could be elite if he has the quarterback who can get the ball to him. And Russell Wilson would do that. But what's it going to cost? It's not going to be cheap because Seattle really doesn't want to trade Russ. Well, Colin Cowherd, on his show this week, I never really heard Cowherd break news or try to break news before. But this caught my eye, and I want to play it for you now. Here's what Colin Coward had to say about the Russell Wilson situation in Seattle. So here's the very latest. I'm told the Chicago Bears are trying to make a move on Russell Wilson, and they're trying to create a move that is so good, Seattle can't say no. Now, Seattle would ideally not want to trade him to an NFC team. Uh, And this situation is... Russell Wilson wants more say and thinks Seattle's offensive line and Pete's outdated offense are the reasons they're struggling. Pete Carroll thinks that Russell Wilson is responsible for a lot of the problems and interceptions. That's not going to change. That's how they see the world. My feelings always been, fellas, get over it and just deal with your tension. Brady and Belichick had tension. Get over it. But um, now I have no idea how Chicago is going to make this work. They don't have a quarterback to give Seattle and um, they don't have a great draft pick to give Seattle because they made the playoffs. Here's how it works. Chicago gives Seattle five first-round picks. Now, they may not be great picks if they get Russell Wilson, but they give them five first-round picks. Nobody else is probably going to offer that. And then Seattle has a deal to get a quarterback simultaneously with that. Keep your eye on Sam Darnold. USC guy, Pete Carroll, USC guy. In December, here's what Pete Carroll said about Sam Darnold. I think he's really talented. Great throws. He's a real quarterback. He sees things. He makes big plays and big throws in difficult situations because of his talent. It's just a matter of time. Sam's going to be a really big-time quarterback. He's thrown a lot of balls in three years. He's had a lot of experience. It's going to pay off in the long run. Sounds like Pete Carroll likes Sam Darnold. That was Colin Cowherd. You heard it. Five first-round picks. Well, first of all, I'm 90% confident that the Bears don't have five first-round picks to give. Let me just say that right off the bat. And the Bears don't have a quarterback to give. They can have Nick Foles. If they want him, he's theirs. They can take him. Like, he can just be a throw-in in that deal if they want a quarterback. Because I, I don't want Nick Foles on my favorite team. But if Seattle wants him, hey, he's really good. They can have him. Yeah, he's Super Bowl MVP. I took a marketing class. Trust me, I can sell this. Five first-round picks. And again, I don't think they have five first-round picks to give. Here's my thing, and I said this with Deshaun Watson 
when the rumors were flying, and they still are, about him and Houston. The Bears need to do whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. Well, that's out the window now. It's not happening. I knew it wasn't happening at the time, but I tried talking myself into it because that's what I do. I'm a delusional Chicago sports fan, and I knew it wasn't happening at the time, but I figured why not? I needed something to talk about on the air. I think this Russell Wilson stuff is not just something to talk about on the air. I think this could have some legs. Bears need to do whatever it takes to get Russell Wilson. If it means throwing all their picks at them, fine. If it means giving up a guy like, say, Roquan Smith, fine. Do whatever it takes. If it means giving up Khalil Mack, fine. These people on Twitter, and Twitter's just such a great place, these people on Twitter who are like, oh, it'll deplete the defense. You can rebuild the defense. The Bears even just now, this it's coming over my Twitter timeline as we speak. They're bringing back defensive lineman Mario Edwards on a three-year deal. You can build the defense. The problem is, the last few years, and most of Bears history, the defense is bailing out the offense. I'd be fine with a strong offense, a Super Bowl caliber offense, and a good defense. That's fine. Obviously, you want Super Bowl caliber offense and Super Bowl caliber defense. But in recent years, we've had the Super Caliber defense and a mediocre at best offense. So I don't care. If Roquan Smith, the Bears' best defender who was an all-pro snub this past year, is thrown in a deal to go to Seattle. Because K.J. Wright is a free agent for the Seahawks. If they bring it, if they want Roquan Smith as an upgrade, okay, that's fine. Just, they better give Russell Wilson... <laughs> Whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to get Russ out of Seattle. He clearly wants out. The Seahawks, as you heard Colin Cowherd say, they don't want to trade him. But it sounds like Russ wants out. And he would be more than welcome in Chicago. The big question would be, if this trade happens, what number is he going to wear? Because the great Bronco Nagurski wore number three. That's retired. Unless it's a situation like the White Sox had when Omar Vizquel came to the White Sox and Louis Aparicio's family gave their blessing for Vizquel to wear number 11. Maybe something like that could happen. But that's a ways away. Right now, Ryan Pace needs to work on getting this deal done. And Brad Biggs at the Chicago Tribune has reported this is the top priority is getting Russell Wilson. Now, I also don't want to hear about Alex Smith. I mean, I've heard Alex Smith's name thrown around a little bit. I don't think Alex Smith should be playing football anymore. I mean, I'm surprised he came back. I mean, it's a great story. He came back, comeback player of the year after that knee injury. I mean, it's a great story, but I, I, I think for his health, might be time to hang it up. But if he wants to keep playing, I mean, you saw what Patrick Mahomes became when he was behind Alex Smith. Maybe the Bears can do something like that. Now, the problem is they still have Nick Foles on the roster. Because I could see a situation where Bears draft a quarterback, either trade up or take Mac Jones if he's still there at 20. And bring in Alex Smith and have kind of a Mahomes situation in Kansas City where Alex Smith was in front of Patrick Mahomes and showed him the ropes. Because that's the thing with Mitchell Trubisky. When people bring up Patrick Mahomes and how he would have done in Chicago. In Kansas City, Mahomes was behind Alex Smith, who is a good teacher. And that is known around the league. He's a good leader. He's a good teacher. If he'd have been in Chicago, 
he'd have been behind Mike Glennon. And to give you an idea, Glennon got benched for Trubisky. Probably week four in 2017. If you bring in Alex Smith, let's say the Wilson stuff doesn't happen. If you bring in Alex Smith and draft a young quarterback in the draft, and I'm thinking like a Mac Jones type, because that's who I'd pick in the draft is Mac Jones from Alabama. I think that would be a good situation going forward at the quarterback position. You've got to think big picture. And the problem with that thinking is Ryan Pace is playing for his job here. I mean, he shouldn't have been brought back. I mean, we all agree on that. But, you know, George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, they collaborated and brought back Pace and Nagy. So they're back another year. They're they're competing for their jobs right now. Both of them. I think I personally think Pace should be more worried than Nagy, but that's not my call. If you bring in Alex Smith and draft a young quarterback, that is a huge risk to take on your job. Because who says you're here next year when in the ideal scenario if this works out, if Smith leaves and the young quarterback, hopefully Mac Jones, is your starter. Who's to say they're here and there's not another guy running the show? I think if Ryan Pace wants to keep his job, he needs to get this Russell Wilson deal done because he can have some leverage then in that he made the trade with the Raiders for Khalil Mack. Best defensive player in the game at the time. That was before Aaron Donald took off. And then he'd have pulled off a trade for Russell Wilson in Seattle. One of the better quarterbacks in the game and an MVP candidate earlier this year before the Seahawks fell off. That's leverage that he can use in those end-of-the-year conversations with George McCaskey and Ted Phillips where they collaborate. They can collaborate, do a lot of collaborating, and talk about that. And maybe it'll change the narrative around Ryan Pace. I don't know. I mean, Hub Arkish on 670 to score is a Ryan Pace defender. And he does bring up good points in that not all of his moves have been bad. He's built the defense. The problem is he can't build an offense. I'm like, yeah, I'm having flashbacks here to like Phil Emery and Jerry Angelo. So I, I think Hub is, I think he's kind of on his own in terms of defending Ryan Pace more than talking about what what Ryan Pace got wrong. And I know as a Bears fan, like I focus on like, oh, he he drafted Kevin White. He drafted Adam Shaheen. It didn't work out, traded him. And now look at what Adam Shaheen's doing. I mean, I look at the offense and that, that that's Ryan Pace. And I still think that's why Matt Nagy needs one more year if Ryan Pace doesn't stick around because I don't think Matt Nagy is the whole problem. But if Pace brings in Russ, then this whole conversation is different because Nagy can build, hopefully, build his offense around an MVP caliber quarterback in Russell Wilson. And that's one thing that the reports are saying that Wilson likes about Chicago is the offense. I've had people ask me, why would anyone want to come to Chicago? Simple. It's Matt Nagy. He's a player's coach. We've seen that, if nothing else, the last few years in Chicago, that Matt Nagy is a player's coach. And people like that around the league. That's where football's going. It's like the NBA. A player-friendly coach goes a long way. And that's part of the reason that Russ is interested in Chicago. So hopefully it happens. I'm going to stay on obsessive Russell Wilson watch. But in the meantime, speaking of player-friendly coaches, Billy Donovan's making moves for the Bulls. I saw this late last night. This is 11 o'clock last night. A tweet from Darnell Mayberry, who does great work covering the Bulls at The Athletic, by the way. If you haven't read Darnell and don't subscribe to The Athletic, do it. It's worth it. The headline here is Bulls coach Billy Donovan plans to change starting lineups, says Source. 
Now, the starting lineup all year, for most of the year, barring injuries, etc., has been Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter. And obviously, when Lowry Markkinen got hurt, Garrett Temple jumped in, and then when Carter got hurt, Daniel Gafford came in. That was a debacle. Here's from Darnell. Here's his lead. Billy Donovan has seen enough. The Bulls coach has made preparations to alter his starting five, a source said, with Tomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young replacing Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. So Kobe White's going back to the bench, which if you recall was one of the few things, actually I think it might have been the only thing I agree with Jim Boylan on last year, was that I like Kobe White off the bench when everyone else is calling for him to start. And Wendell Carter, I mean, he he came back from that injury really well. I mean, he was aggressive. He was making plays. And the two games out of the All-Star break, he is just a completely different player. It's like he regressed over the All-Star break because, man. So now you got Tomas Sadoransky, a true point guard, in the starting lineup now. And Thaddeus Young, who's essentially a stretch five, and in my eyes is untouchable in trade talks. Here's more from Darnell. The Bulls have lost four or five and have struggled with slow starts. They own a minus 17.6 net rating with White, Carter, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, and Lowry Markkinen as their customary starting five. Donovan plans to change the starting lineup in the Bulls' home game Sunday against Toronto, a source said. The decision comes at the halfway point of of the season for the Bulls, whose slow starts to halves have commanded Donovan's attention. Here's a quote from Billy. Quote, the first six minutes of games, if you look at the net rating and the numbers, we've been one of the worst teams in the league in that area, Donovan said this week. Yeah, he's right, because you don't have a true point guard. I know patience with Kobe White. I know he should be, like, a junior in college. I understand that. But from the sounds of it, Billy Donovan's playing to win, and if you're playing to win, you don't need Kobe White trying to be a true point guard when he's clearly better as catch-and-shoot guard. So now, Tomas Sadoransky will come into the starting lineup, and I think it's going to show you the value of a true point guard heading into the trade deadline. It's why I've been preaching for Lonzo Ball for the last few weeks. Bring in a true point guard. And the other thing with Wendell Carter, I mean, here's here's what Darnell writes. Carter, a third-year center, is in a five-game slump in which he's averaging 5.8 points on 32.3% shooting, with 8.2 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 0.6 blocks, and 1.4 turnovers in 22.4 minutes. In that same span, he's logged only six combined minutes in the final five minutes of games. Thursday against Philadelphia, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. I just got to play better, Carter said after Friday's home loss to Miami. It sounds like Wendell Carter, I mean... I'm not usually one. I'm not ripping him. I, I just want to preface this. I am not. I'm not criticizing Wendell Carter for this. It sounds like he's got some confidence issues. And again, that's not a knock. I just want to throw that out there. But it sounds like he's he needs that confidence and maybe coming off the bench, maybe see the game unfold and come in like if Billy's going to start small, go big. I mean, I, I like it. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Kobe White and Wendell Carter respond. Because, I mean, the, the trade deadline is 11 days away. It's still weird to say that we're talking trade deadline in March. But yeah, the trade deadline's 11 days away. Because it's March 25th is the deadline. Today is March 14th. It is Pi Day, by the way, for my fellow nerds out there. It is Pi Day. March 14th. And now, Billy Donovan's out here making lineup changes. Are they playing to win? It sure seems like it. And I mean, they've got a tough schedule coming up here. And I talked about this this week with my buddy Rob Schaefer, who's been on this show before. I had him on my podcast, the Believe in Bulls podcast. Feel free to check that out, by the way. Shameless plug. They've got a tough schedule. 
out of the All-Star break. It started with Philly and Miami, which they were favored by three and a half against Miami and got manhandled. They have Toronto tonight. I want to say they have one of the toughest schedules for the second half of the year. And Arturis Karnaschovas, according to Billy Donovan, has been on the phone. Maybe we'll get a move. I'm interested to see what they're going to do at the trade deadline. I feel like I've been talking about it for weeks. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you that you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm broadcasting from my garage in Dwight, Illinois. So the Bulls are 0-2 out of the All-Star break, and and as I said, I mean, they look bad. Even with Lowry Markin and Otto Porter back in the lineup, they, they did not look good out of the All-Star break. Like I said, they were favored by three and a half against Miami and lost by double digits. They lost bad to a 76ers team that did not have Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Now, that's the same 76ers team that had Joel Embiid when these teams played in Philadelphia in the first half, and it took Joel Embiid to drop 50 to beat the Bulls. I don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline, but I do know that if I was Arturis Karnaschovas, Zach Levine and Thaddeus Young are untouchable. Neither one of those guys is even going to be discussed. I would keep both of them. I, I would. I, I would lock them in the Advocate Center. If someone wanted to come check out, check out the team, like no. These two guys, no, they got the day off today. You're not going to be able to watch them. They're not available. Those two guys do not get traded. I think everybody else is on the table. Maybe not Garrett Temple. And that's because I like I like Garrett Temple. Again, you know, every, if you listen to the show, you know I hate using this phrase, but he's good in the room. He's a good in the locker room. He's a good mentor for the young guys. I, I think Garrett Temple... He, he might be in that untouchable range, but it depends on the offer. And I do know, I, I saw a report that the Bulls did get a call about trading for Temple and said no. And I said good. But I think definitely Levine and Young are untouchable, maybe Garrett Temple. Everyone else? Go ahead. I've heard Otto Porter's name thrown around in trade rumors, which surprised me because the guy just can't stay healthy. I mean, it seems like every time you turn around, he's got back problems, which when you're paying him $28 million a year, I'd like him to be a little healthier. But that's obviously a little out of his control, especially when it comes to a back, as someone who has back problems. So I don't know what's going to happen. Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have been very, very quiet about what's going to happen at the deadline. You don't hear much. And I don't know I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that nothing's leaking. But as a fan, as someone who wants to know what's happening, it's kind of frustrating because you want to know, like, what are they going to do at the deadline? It's their first trade deadline. What are they going to do? I don't know. I, I want – I'm going to – Keep beating the drum for Lonzo Ball. If New Orleans still wants to trade Lonzo, like, bring Lonzo to Chicago. I'll get on that bandwagon. Absolutely. And I heard P.J. Tucker is available in Houston. I think they're doing the stupid, we're not playing you until we trade you crap, which is absolute garbage in the NBA. We're seeing that with Andre Drummond, too, in Cleveland. Like, I don't I don't like that at all. But that's what's happening in the league. So maybe P.J. Tucker could be a candidate too. We'll see. That's from Daryl Horwitz chiming in here in my DMs, which if you want to chime in on the conversation, shoot me a tweet or DM me. My DMs are open at Nick Schultz underscore 7 on Twitter. For a first-round pick, I trade young. Nobody is untouchable. Making the playoffs should not be the goal. They need another high pick. Higher the better. 
Look, I see both sides. I mean, I, I, I see the Bulls wanting to compete for a playoff spot because they are. This is a playoff roster. Like, I, I fully believe that this is a playoff roster, and I, I always throw out this disclaimer. I'm not talking one of the top six, like, or not even not one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm talking backs into the playoffs. You know how the Bears were a playoff team this year? How they backed into a spot in the playoffs that wasn't there a year ago? That's how this Bulls team is. Because the Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference, this is a playoff caliber roster. However, I keep talking about the tough schedule. If they're struggling against these top teams and the playoff odds are getting worse and worse, AK and Eversley have to start thinking about, okay, let's start thinking about that high pick. Maybe they can get a guy like Cade Cunningham, who's amazing at Oklahoma State. If you didn't watch Oklahoma State this week, go watch it. Oh, man. How about them Cowboys? Because Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham put that team on his back. It was awesome. But, no, going back to Daryl's comment here, nobody is untouchable. I I think Zach Levine absolutely is untouchable. I think Zach is better than people give him credit for to build around. He's not a number one. At least not yet. He is an all-star. If he didn't make the all-star game this year, if he was having a, a year like last year where it was, okay, borderline all-star, like the fans were making the case for him, but realistically he probably shouldn't have been an all-star. This is a different conversation. He's having an all-star year, and it was no doubt an all-star year. I think you keep Zach and build around him. And when I say build around him, I think make him the number two and go get an alpha. Go get a number one guy. And when I say a number one guy, I'm talking obviously not these players because they're locked up with deals now, but like a Giannis or an Anthony Davis. Those two guys were thrown around in rumors before they signed their long-term deals with their respective teams in Milwaukee and L.A. I think Zach Levine would be a good complement as a number two at the shooting guard position or at the small forward position, whatever the lineup shakes out as. But I think Zach needs an extension, and I think he's untouchable, and I think I, – I, I'm sorry, I, I disagree. I think Thaddeus Young needs to stay. I mean, you watch what he does on the court. Like, even if even if the Bulls are playing for a higher draft pick instead of a playoff spot, I think Thad is valuable. And it goes back to the phrase I hate using, he's good in the room. He's a veteran presence. He's a, he's a calming presence on the court. I think Thad needs to stay. And I, I, again, I, I list anybody besides Levine, Young, maybe Temple. I'm talking White, Carter, Markinen, Porter, absolutely Otto Porter, Cristiano Felicio. Please get rid of Cristiano Felicio. Luke Cornett, get rid of get rid of those two. Everybody not named Levine, Young, and Temple. Give us a, give us the phone calls. Like let the phone ring. Like we'll hear any offer you got. And a lot's going to be determined based on what happens in the next, I'd say, week or so. Here's the Bulls' schedule coming up. As I said, they've got Toronto, or I guess Tampa, tonight. Oklahoma City on Tuesday. San Antonio on Wednesday. Denver on Friday. Detroit on Sunday. Utah on Monday. Cleveland on Wednesday. That's the last game before the deadline is Cleveland. So counting tonight's game, the Bulls have seven games left before the deadline. Daryl chimes back in. For instance, Dallas says Doncic for Levine. <laughs> okay, nobody on the Bulls is untouchable. Not a championship team, Levine is a three. Think of the Nets and other teams. If he's your two, you're still not great. Again, I think it goes back to you seeing the potential. I've said this all along. Zach Levine's path in the NBA, he has not had a coach. And when I say he's not, obviously he's had coaches. I mean, he's had Fred Hoiberg. He's had Jim Boylan. 
The situation in Minnesota wasn't great. Because that was when, was it Flip Saunders was diagnosed with cancer and had to step away and they had an interim coach come in and it just wasn't, it was bad timing. Now, Zach Levine with Billy Donovan, I think there's another level of Zach Levine that has been unlocked. It's like Billy Donovan was the cheat code that unlocked Zach Levine. And that's why if he didn't if he didn't make the All-Star game and if there wasn't such consensus about him making the All-Star game this year, I wouldn't be saying this. But yeah, Dallas said Luka Doncic for Zach Levine. I mean, when I say nobody's untouchable, do you think that's realistic, though? If that was realistic, Luka Doncic for Zach Levine, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> you take Luka Doncic. I mean, I'm a big Luka Doncic fan. Like, I, I have been since he entered the league. I'm a big Luka fan. So that's my inner fan coming out saying, like, okay, you know what? When I say nobody's untouchable, like, obviously, if you can get a guy like Luka, then obviously things change. But I'm not thinking Luka Doncic this year. I'm talking your, I'm talking your, your Lonzo Balls this year, like those types of players, like your Lonzos or your your PJ Tuckers. If Kyle Lowry wanted out of wants out of Toronto, which there's rumor that maybe possibly could he might. There's all it's rumor season. Maybe then, like Zach Levine could be in that kind of deal. I'm not shooting for the moon here. Should I be? Probably. But if, like, like you said, Daryl, if they're if you want them to compete for a higher draft pick, would you want to bring in Luka Doncic? I mean, right now, I would wait till the off season. But yeah, I would. <laughs> I would absolutely love Luca. Oh, it was just an example. Nobody on the Bulls is that good, even Levine. I, I, I just, I could disagree. I think, I think Zach Levine is better than he gets credit for. And maybe, maybe I'm just biased, but I, I, I like Zach Levine a lot. Again, he's not a number one. He'd be number two. I, I, I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. Is what I'm saying. I think there's still room for him to grow, especially under Billy Donovan, a coach who wants him to succeed. Having Jim Boylan there was the worst thing that could have happened for Zach Levine. He didn't get along from the start. And Jim's system was awful. But now having a guy like Billy Donovan there, I, I think we're finally seeing the Zach Levine that we can see, that we should have seen earlier. I was going to talk some baseball. I might get to that at the end of the show. I had a couple notes here, but I do want to talk Selection Sunday, staying on basketball, because I've got 17 minutes left. I do want to talk Selection Sunday. That is tonight, 5 o'clock p.m. selection show. And if you're an Illinois fan, the game starts at 2.30 today against Ohio State. I'm actually going to be working during that game at the bar. I got called in early this afternoon, so that's going to be fun. Like, Big Ten Championship. Well, at work, that's, that's going to be fun. I'm excited for that. But yeah, Selection Show 5 o'clock. Loyola fans are going to be tuned in to see where the Ramblers play or who they play. I guess they're all playing in Indianapolis. They're all playing in Indiana. But who they're playing this year, I'm seeing many different seeds for Loyola this year. I have seen everywhere everything from a 7 seed to a 10 seed, and the 10 seed was from Jerry Palm, who had Loyola as a 12 seed, heading into the Arch Madness Championship game last week, which I thought was just insane. Like, that's way too low. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're better than a 12 seed. To give you an idea, and I talked about this with Jordan Burnfield last week. It was I loved that conversation last week with Jordan. This year's Loyola team is better than the Final Four team. It should not be a 12 seed because the Final Four team was an 11 seed. But on the other side of the coin, Jordan talked about this last week, and I was going to pull the audio and just didn't have time this morning. Jordan talked about path. And if Loyola is a 7 seed, I'm sorry, I take that back. If they're an 8th seed, 
or a nine seed. That means they get a number one seed in the second round. And from what I'm gathering, and I saw Andy Katz's bracket today, if I've seen a lot of brackets with Loyola in that region, if it shakes out like Andy Katz is predicting, Loyola would take on North Carolina in the first round, and in the second round if they win, would likely get Gonzaga. Now, if they're on that side of the bracket and they're the seventh seed, they'd play the 10th seed, which would be UCLA and Andy Katz's bracket, and then in the second round they get Iowa. Now, obviously, Iowa would be the more favorable matchup, but that's the thing with wanting like an 8th seed. You get Gonzaga in the second round. So I, I don't know where Loyola is going to end up. But I do know the Ramblers are going dancing for the second time in four years because they beat Drake last week at Arch Madness. It was a good game. And this also means that in four years at Loyola, Cameron Crutwig and Lucas Williamson will have played in the postseason three times. They likely would have played in the NIT last year. So for argument's sake, this would be four straight postseason tournaments including the Final Four as freshmen. And that's why, that's a big reason why this Loyola team is better, is because that that first, that Final Four year, Kurtwig and Williamson were freshmen. They were raw. They were still adjusting to the college game. Now, you have a Player of the Year in Kurtwig. You have Defensive Player of the Year in Lucas Williamson. Those two right there are huge. Couple that with an explosive guard off the bench in Marquise Kennedy. You've got Keith Clemens at the point guard, who is a calming presence, absolutely. He's so good. And he's a proven winner. He won a national championship at Vincennes in Juco. So you've got Keith Clemens running the point. You've got Lucas Williamson anchoring the defense. The offense runs through Crutwig. Here, Uwak has taken his game to a new level this year. And Braden Norris, I mean, oh man, I love Braden Norris. Like, he is... He's playing a lot of minutes. He can on both ends of the floor. That starting five is good. Couple that with Marquise off the bench, with Tate Hall off the bench. Jacob Hudson is coming into his own as a big man. This Loyola team is dangerous, but they end up as an eight or nine seed. They get a number one seed in the second round. 90% chance. What path would you want? That's what Jordan and I talked about last week. Definitely go listen to that interview that I had with Jordan last week. I really, really enjoyed it, and I wouldn't be promoting it again if I didn't if I didn't have so much fun with it. But there's a lot of good stuff from him there, and especially talking about the path and the seating and whatnot. Now, Illinois is pretty much locked into a one or two seed. They can seal that one seed today if they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Again, that's a 2.30 tip-off. In Indianapolis. And yeah, Illinois could be that one seed. Oh, could you imagine? Second round game. Loyola, Illinois. Kofi Coburn versus Cameron Crutwig. Io Sumu versus Lucas Williamson. That would be awesome for this state. As it is a really fun time to be a college basketball fan in Illinois right now. Because if you're from... Champaign area or down down where I live, like you're south of the suburbs, you've got Illinois. If you're Joliet and North, you've got Loyola. And in most cases, you got both. Imagine if they faced off in Indiana. That would be awesome. Like, I could just think of how much college basketball would dominate sports talk. Because... Chicago is a pro sports town. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's not a knock. It's just a fact. I mean, Loyola locked up a March Madness bid, and they were still talking Bears before the Allen Robinson stuff on the radio. And I get it. And credit to Mike Mulligan and David Haw. Mulligan Haw, 670 the score, two friends of the show. They had Porter Moser on the day after they won. It was, it was a really good interview. Like, I, I never really said this on the radio, but if Porter Moser 
ever retires from coaching, he's going to be a great analyst one day. I mean, if you ever listen to him, like you listen to his radio interviews, he dabbled in March Madness as an analyst in 2019. I mean, if, if he wasn't coaching, I would hope he'd be an analyst somewhere. Because he's, I mean, the guy, he's a good interview. Like, I mean, I, I interviewed the guy for four years regularly. I mean, he's a, he's a great quote, great soundbite. You listen to him break down a game. And if you listen to him on the radio when he's out with Molly and Haw, he's, he's got a future in it. But credit to those guys for having Porter on after the game. I want to say he was on 1000, too. He was on ESPN 1000. Like, what was that? Waddle and Sylvie, I think, had him on. So they have Porter on, but they don't really talk a lot of college basketball on the radio because it's a pro sports town. Obviously, down in Champaign, I mean, it's Champaign. There's no pro sports. It's, it's Illinois, all, all Illinois all the time. There's a lot of, lot of Illini talk down there, especially down by me. I mean, I live how far north of Champaign am I? Probably hour-ish north of Champaign. I mean, I work at the bar. You can always tell when there's an Illini game on because the same five guys come in rooting for the Illini. Imagine if they played in the NCAA tournament. It would be, oh, it'd be so great. But that could happen if Loyola gets an eight seed or a nine seed and Illinois gets one seed. Depending on how the bracket shakes out, that could happen. And if it doesn't happen, yet you can bet I'll have a bracket with Loyola in Illinois facing off in the latest round they can. Hopefully it's the national championship in my bracket. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the best part of this year. I missed filling out a bracket last year. I think the only bracket I filled out last year was one my friend Amanda sent me about the West Wing, which I totally geeked out on because, again, this is another thing. If you, if you know me, you know I'm a, I'm a West Wing fanatic, a big Aaron Sorkin fan. That was the only bracket I did last year. So I'm really, really, really excited for March Madness to come back. National Championship odds. I looked on the Action Network before going on the air, so these are fresh. Illinois, plus 1,000 to win the National Championship. That is 10 to 1 odds. And Loyola's 55 to 1, plus 5,500 to win the National Championship if you're into sports betting. Obviously, if you're in Illinois... You cannot put a bet down on Loyola or Illinois to win the national championship. Which, don't get me started on that one right now. But for anyone out of state, just saying. And also, as Selection Sunday is today, 5 o'clock show, we had some bid stealers in college basketball the last couple of days. Like, if you haven't been tuned in to college ball, I mean... And anyone who's who's dialed in to college basketball, if I told you that Oregon State, Georgetown, and Iona were all going dancing, you'd laugh at me if I'd have said that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Oregon State, Georgetown, and Iona are going to the big dance. And I've got to play this real quick while I've still got time. This is funny. So Patrick Ewing is the coach of Georgetown. And Georgetown was not supposed to win the Big East this year. They ended up winning the championship. They blew out Creighton yesterday. Well, the Big East obviously plays its tournament at Madison Square Garden. Well, Patrick Ewing played in Madison Square Garden a few times, I'd say, when he, you know, played a Hall of Fame career for the Knicks. Well, <laughs> when you're at these conference tournaments, security asks for passes to make sure you're okay to go where you want. Well, Patrick Ewing got asked to show his pass, and he didn't really care for it. Here's what he had to say. This is really funny. Um, but I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. I, I, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? And, I mean, that's just classic. Patrick Ewing. That was after that was after Georgetown advanced in the Big East tournament. And he was obviously I I'm guessing he was in a good mood if he said that. And I know <laughs> the Knicks actually released a statement 
from James Dolan reaffirming their relationship with Patrick Ewing. I mean, I figured I, I heard that. I thought it was in good fun. I, I, I thought it was funny. I didn't think there'd be a statement saying like, oh, like we're we we appreciate our relationship with Patrick Ewing and you know he's one of the greats, blah 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 blah. <laughs> but that I, I had to share that. Because I also know how much Bulls fans love Patrick Ewing from the nineties. Real quick, two bit valley could also happen today at five o'clock. The Drake's hopes for an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament have taken a hit with all these bid stealers. I mean, Oregon State beating Colorado wasn't great. Georgetown, wow. Iona beating Fairfield, that wasn't great. So basically, here's the deal. And this is consensus. It's all over Twitter. All the bracketologists say it, so they're in agreement. If you're a Drake fan, and if my friend Connor Ferguson's listening, I know he's a Drake fan, and it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Connor. If you're a Drake fan, you need to be rooting for Houston today. You need you need Houston to beat Cincinnati in the American. We're speaking of Houston. This was after I got off the air last week. This was the game before the Loyola game on TV. If you haven't seen the last shot of the Houston game last week, find it. Oh my goodness. I've never seen someone bank in a half-court shot at the buzzer for a win. That was insane. But you need if you're a Drake fan, you need Cincinnati to lose. Because if Cincinnati loses, the chances of Drake going to March Madness get that much better. I still think Drake should be in, but with all these stolen bids, I mean, the Colorado game did not help. That was not what needed to happen. So of all years for Drake to need an at-large bid, it's the year that bids get stolen in these conference tournaments. So Drake needs Cincy to lose today to have a really good shot at an at-large. Because right now they're still, according to the brackets I'm saying, they're still the last four in, which means they'd be playing in the first four. But if Cincinnati wins today, not sure they're still in the first four. That game between Cincinnati and Houston in the American Championship game today, that game will tip off at 2.15 p.m. on ESPN. So Drake needs number two seed Houston beat number five seed Cincinnati. I could see it happening. I don't know what the betting odds are for that game. I don't have any time to look it up real quick. But there's still a chance for a two-bit valley. It's not looking as promising as it was a week ago. But there's still a chance. So, yeah, we've got a lot going on this week. I mean, March Madness is starting up. Loyola in Illinois. We'll get going there. Maybe Drake will get going there. You've got the Allen Robinson stuff to follow. There's also now conflicting reports. Uh, did I just see something from Mike Florio at Pro Football Focus or Pro Football Talk? Bears have not ruled out a Mitchell Trubisky return, contrary to an ESPN report that the Bears plan to move on. See, now you've got that stuff going on. Baseball season is coming. Fans are going to be allowed at games for opening day. I didn't even get to this. 8,000 fans or so at Wrigley Field and guaranteed rate. I know I'm going to try and get a ticket because I am fully vaccinated and I'm thinking, okay, I'm vaccinated. Get me to a game. Like, get me to a game. I have not been to a baseball game since I turned 21. So I really want to go to a ball game at some point, whether it be in Chicago or St. Louis or wherever. Fans are going to be allowed at games for opening day. I didn't get to the Jack Peterson stuff. I'll talk about that next week because I'm going to do a lot more baseball talk in addition to March Madness, because this thing's getting rolling this week in, in Indiana. I mean, the first four starts, I want to say, Tuesday. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited, and I'm excited to see Loyola back in the dance. It's going to be weird watching from the couch, because the last time Loyola went dancing, I was with them the whole time, because that was when I was the beat writer for the Loyola Phoenix. 
And now watching them as an alum from Couchside is going to be really, really weird. But I'm excited. I am out of time. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Hope to see you back here next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, get the vaccine if it's available. I can finally start saying that. I'm going to add that into my weekly goodbyes. I hope to see you back here next Sunday talking March Madness and more here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW. Have a great week, everybody.